Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer training programs for CSMs and customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. I'm super excited to introduce Evan Rich, the Director of Customer Success at NS1. He is a customer of the Success League, and I've had the pleasure of working with him as he built their first health scoring system. Today, we're going to talk about that process, what it took to build, how that reporting helped his team, and what he would recommend to other leaders looking to do the same. So Evan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kristen. Uh, really excited to be here. It's a topic that, as you know, I'm very passionate about and had you know, the opportunity to share little bits and pieces uh, of how we've done this uh, health scoring system at NS1 in you know, various CS forums, email forums and such. Um, but yeah, really excited to get uh, in-depth, give you the full story on how the sausage is made here. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, before we get started, would you be willing to share with the audience how you landed in the field of customer success? Yeah, so I started out in professional services and got some great exposure to engineers internally and uh, very technical customers as well. Um, and uh, as I started shifting into different operations roles and really uh, spending more of my time um, assessing the performance of customer success teams rather than actually uh, you know, building success and working with customers, I started to miss that aspect of the role and, and knew that I wanted to get back into that. And so I had through those different roles developed a philosophy on um, you know what I liked and what I didn't like about how CS teams are run, um, and had the self confidence that I could uh, take what I had learned and, and craft a strategy and implement it. So um, the opportunity to really put all of that together and, and do it from scratch at a company like NS1 that had a very technical customer base um, was really the perfect fit for me. And so at that time uh, that I joined NS1 about three and a half years ago. Um, company was about 15 people. And so uh, there was a lot of fertile ground and a lot of opportunity uh, to uh, start customer success first, as I had envisioned it. And, and so um, that's, you know, what we've done over the last uh, three and a half years and uh, working together with you over the last uh, two or so years. So, yeah. That's great. Can you give us a little bit more information about NS1 just so that the audience has a little more background on that? I think one of the really interesting things, and you kind of just touched on this, um, about your company is that you have a very technical solution. You work with customers who are CTOs and CIOs inside of um, your customers' companies. And so I I think it would help the audience to know a little bit more about your company and your team. Uh, yeah, so when, when I showed up at NS1, I, uh, I could tell that they had the foundation for building what I'd call like a customer-obsessed organization. Uh, the founders, you know, for example, uh, were doing uh, overnight support, right? Um, and that sort of comes with the territory when you're dealing with a very technical audience like ours and, and you're dealing in mission-critical technology. Uh, and so we needed to be available to them 24-7, 365. 
And so that's why we really started building our team on the support side as opposed to bringing in CSM. So for the first you know year and a half or so, I was the um, account management arm of the company. Uh, we had one support person and we, we grew that out to add another three or four um, and really found that um, uh, on the technical side, we were, uh, you know, making significant gains, gains in terms of uh, uh, customer retention and, um, and customer engagement. Hey, so one thing I wanted to to highlight is that you guys have had to kind of shift how you hire um, from your initial approach to to something that pr- produced a more technical CSM. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so we're working with engineers who are far more far more technical than your average CSM, and so we knew that we couldn't look um, in the traditional places that one might look for a CSM, and we really started targeting uh, individuals who had a more technical IT consulting background um, who could really um, come in and, and um, the tech would not phase them and they'd be able to uh, you know, really help shepherd along our very technical customer base. And so we've had a lot of success. We've now got three CSMs uh, in place and, and they're um, certainly a bit different from your uh, average CSM. Um, it, cert- it makes it cha- more challenging on the hiring side, but we've found that um, that sort of uh, IT consulting profile really uh, lends well to the type of engagements that we have with our customers. Yeah, and um, I'm going to just put this out there, and hopefully I'm not over-volunteering you for something, but I've run into quite a few people who have similar challenges, especially if their clients are kind of on the more technical side of their companies. And so I think you've taken a really interesting approach to that. So if anyone out there wants to know more about that, reach out to Evan. (laughs) I'm sure he would be happy to talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about how you built your customer health score. Uh, Before we get into the details, can you share with the audience why you felt that a health score was important for your team? Yeah, so um, it might sound counterintuitive. Uh, I'll proudly boast that we have a 95% retention rate, which is really great. And DNS is is certainly a, a sticky space. So it might seem counterintuitive that we put such an emphasis on churn, but I think that really, it, it comes from a few things. One is uh, certainly from the top down. Um, as I mentioned earlier, our founders um, were really invested in um, making sure that the customer experience was um, the, of the utmost priority. And that's really one of our uh, core differentiators. As a um, you know Series B funded company, we knew that at, at this stage uh, in our uh, life cycle, that it was really important that we could show a consistent revenue stream and that churn is one of those things that um, we really needed to uh, prioritize, prioritize minimizing, um, and so that's why we, um, you know, that was that's why I really felt strongly about being accurate in predicting churn. And, and the other sort of just anecdotal thing that was happening um, was that we, you know, even though we had only a handful of customers churning, they were not insignificant logos, and, and we'd be surprised consistently to get that, you know, termination notice from them. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I really felt it was important that we understood why, uh, what was driving that churn and, and got out in front of it. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, when you're a, a younger company, too, one of the things I see is that sometimes, um, you know, the, the churn rate is really low at first, and then you kind of hit your stride as a company getting ready to scale. And you know, a, a big batch of churn just kind of hits you out of the blue because you you weren't looking at it. So I think it was really smart of you to get ahead of that, you know, batch of churn that 
can potentially sometimes be there hiding in your customer base. Um, when we first started talking about the churn risk score or health score for your customers, you had some criteria in mind. What was the process that you went through to decide on the most important criteria? Yeah, so there were a number of things that we looked at. And, and the first thing I'll say is like we had, um, you know, an educated, uh, we had made some assumptions uh, about what was driving churn before. So we weren't totally, uh, you know, coming at this, um, you know, with, with no concept of what was driving churn. We knew, uh, for example, that um, our customer migrations at the speed with which uh, we completed those and, and the, the accuracy of those and, and how satisfied the customer was afterward. Um, was a really significant driver uh, of retention. And, and, and that's sort of just, you know, logical in the sense that um, if you've got somebody on a 12-month contract um, and it takes six months to migrate them uh, or, or they're still not migrated after six mm-hmm. months, let's say, then that they're going to reach a decision point. So that was an obvious one. But there were other, you know, things that were less obvious, like the, the number of API calls that a customer uh, is making and, and uh, the frequency with which they're logging in and um, a, a whole set of different, uh, you know, contract-specific elements like the, um, you know, whether the customer converts to month-to-month or renews annually. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were all these different things that I had in my head at the time of, you know, this is potentially somewhat related, but had not been able to prove it out. And and that was, I think, um, that was a bit frustrating at the time. And I knew that um, when we would build out the term reporting that we needed to address those. And, and um, I, I suspected there was correlation, but the reporting that we produced actually validated that. And that was uh, hugely important. That's Yeah, that's really cool. I remember you going through that process. Once you had identified those criteria that you felt were the most important, how did you decide on the thresholds for those criteria that, you know, what made a customer healthy or what made a customer risky? Yeah. And so this might sound kind of obvious, but we, we looked at the customers that had churned. And even though there wasn't a ton of data there, um, you know, the best indication of a customer potentially um, you know, ch- uh, churning was, do they look like and, and sound like and feel like the customers that we've had who have, have churned previously? Um, and so uh, what we wound up doing is we identified 10 or so different um, uh, churn attributes, as I called them, um, and, uh, and looked at, you know, the, the healthy customers, so to speak, and I sort of approached it the way a doctor might, um, the healthy customers and, and the unhealthy or deceased customers in some cases. Um, and, and look to see, you know, what were the key differentiators? And um, we found a no- number of different areas. Um, like, so I mentioned the migration length. Um, when customers were uh, converting to month to month, it made it a lot easier for them to just, you know, seamlessly exit the contract at any point if they wanted to. Um, there were also a number of other measures uh, of just usage of the platform and, and also whether or not the customer was using um the what I'd call the more advanced features that really separate us from the other players in our space, and um, and, and that those um, from what we saw, just looking at the history of customers who had churned and customers who had uh, been with us for a long time, those were really highly correlated um, with risk and ultimately churn. And and so we picked, um, I'd, I'd think about it as uh, sort of sliders uh, in a way um, where I'd, I'd I'd pick a, I'd put a stake in the ground and say um, 100 API calls. Let's see if that um, uh, makes a difference and, and how that sorts the customers. Um, and you'd see, sure enough, that um, all the unhealthy-looking customers, or many of them, uh, were doing you know fewer than 100 API calls, and, and and the generally healthier ones were going over 100. And if you know, in, in some cases, like with migrations, we had started with I think four weeks, 
and we were seeing that we weren't really getting any migrations done in in a four week period, and so we moved that slider up a bit to six weeks and so on. And so um, it was just a very much a fine tuning process, sliding those um, thresholds for each individual metric until um, it really told a cohesive story. And then, of course, um, after the initial um, setting of those thresholds, uh, constantly reviewing and, and revising them to make sure that uh, they were still, um, you know, telling that same story that held uh, consistent with what had happened in the past. Yeah, just out of curiosity about how long did that refining process take for you guys? Um, I would say it's still ongoing in many okay. respects. So, but definitely like to get it um, to a very stable place took um, several, I would say, you know, three or four months or so. Um, and certainly at first there were a number of um, uh, different attributes that we had put out. And, and I, I, I remember feeling really strongly that, um, you know, the volume of support tickets and, and we quantify our support tickets based on the type uh, of uh, interaction that we're having and, and the product that we're talking about. And so my initial hypothesis with that was going to really uh, be a good indicator of uh, customer satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And as it turned out, a lot of our customers just really like to talk to our support team because they're very knowledgeable um, and they have great insight. And so often they're, um, you know, they're asking questions, not because there's some problem that they're, um, you know, or there's some frustration behind it, but that they uh, want that uh, level of expertise um, brought into their day-to-day operations. And so the volume of support tickets, even broken out by um, specific conversation type, was not a great indicator. And so we, we scrapped that one just as an example. Okay. Yeah, that's great. And then tell me, I know um, you guys don't have a CS platform right now. You do have Salesforce. Once you had a model, how did you build reporting for it? Where does the data come from and, and how do you report on it? And how is, I guess, how has that evolved over time for you guys? Yeah. Um, so I'll start with, um, I'll, I'll begin with where we started and, and, and then uh, work to where we are in the present. It was, I'll say it was a very painful <laughs> process to get it off the ground, yes. as you recall. Um, and I remember, uh, I think when we had first started talking about doing this, you had flashed up one of those pretty red, yellow, green, high, medium, low risk tables. And I was super excited. I'm like, this is going to be so easy. We'll just flash that up <laughs> for our board, for our management team. And everyone's going to be like, we have no churn. This is, this is fantastic. We've got a very healthy customer base. Um, and, and we'll take it from there. Um, in practice, not so easy, unfortunately. Um, and so we started building it out in Excel, um, and and that uh, took a, a good bit of time just to get the Excel formulas right, to have everything flowing in seamlessly. And, and really, the the greatest challenge with that, and, and why I would strongly you know dissuade people from going the Excel route, is that we had to pull, as you can imagine, all the data in from these disparate data sources. Yeah. Um, and and the, the initial, certainly this is what we would have had to do no matter which um, platform we had used, but our contract data was uh, kind of all over the place. Um, and so uh, there wasn't really a, a, a centralized location for that. So I was um, in the, at the outset, I was going through individual contracts, um, pulling <laughs> out the termination date, pulling out the special terms, like whether it converted to month to month at the end. Um, and that, as you can imagine, we have, we have, you know, hundreds of customers that took quite a long time. And it also just, you know, logistically limited us uh, to only really focusing on our top 100 or so customers just because the volume of data to parse through was, was just way too massive. Um, so, so that was on the, you know, on the contract side. And then, as, as you can imagine, also 
uh, we have all this great um, usage data from our APIs and from our portal that are stored in, in different databases. Uh, and so getting all of that out into a CSV and then you know dumping it into the Excel file, even after the formulas were all in place, took um, a lot of time initially. And then um, I, I think we, we did it in Excel for almost a year. Um, and so every month, it was really the bane of my existence uh, having to go into <laughs> that massive, massive Excel file that just kept getting more bloated and bloated um, and inputting all of this data. Uh, and, um, and yeah, and, and so just like the data collection process was so uh, painful that um, it would take often, you know, three or four days at the start of the month. Um, and then the other, you know, really negative aspect of that in terms of, you know, uh, achieving the goals that we had set out was that we weren't really finding out about uh, potential churn risk until 30, 40 days after it might have happened, just thinking that we had to wait for the month to end. And then it took me three to uh -huh. four days to actually get it together. So there was a huge lag. And, and um, so, yeah, that initial uh, year or so of doing this was really painful and, and certainly uh, suboptimal in terms of uh, the goals we were actually trying to accomplish. So then what did you do? How did you get it into better shape? Yeah, this is where I, I get to tell you that it's it's all great now and it all works on its own, which is exciting. And, <laughs> and that I didn't have to, I'm not spending five days a month uh, putting together these reports. So um, so we're, you know, really lucky to have on our team, as I mentioned earlier, it's a very technical uh, customer base and, and we've got a technical bunch on our CS team. Uh, so we're lucky to have uh, an engineer uh, developer on our team uh, who um, took on the task of importing all of this data from um, a handful of different sources into our Salesforce instance. And then uh, just kind of like magic, um, you know, I've built out a whole bunch of different uh, formulas in Salesforce, similar to the way Excel formulas work, uh, that uh, calculate mm -hmm. out the, uh, the churn score. So um, just to take, you know, an example, right? So we've got all of our customer usage data, such as the, the data of their last login uh, being imported into uh, Salesforce. So that comes through every day. It's an automated job that happens at four o'clock in the morning. Um, so yeah, so that comes through to Salesforce, and then we've got a simple, you know, formula field in Salesforce that says if the uh, date of last login is um, more than thirty days prior to today, then that customer gets a one. It's a binary zero one um, on our scale mm -hmm. of ten. Okay. Uh, and so the same works the same way for all the different elements like the month to month status um, and uh, the age of the account and the API calls and all, all the others. Uh, and so you've uh, just got to automatically, it sums it all up and you've got your score out of 10, just like that. That's awesome. I, I'm glad your story has a happy ending because I remember when you were going through the process of um, doing it all in spreadsheets. <laughs> and I, I don't think you've come to the end. I'm going to ask you a question in a few minutes about, you know, what the future is for this. But um, before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Do you need training for your customer success team? The Success League offers both instructor-led online classes and on-site team workshops. Our online classes are one hour long and offered at two different times each week to serve our global customers. They're a fantastic option for geographically dispersed teams or teams who want to build their skills but don't have a lot of time each week. 
Each online class includes exercises, a worksheet, and a resources list so that CSMs can keep learning beyond the session. On-site workshops cover core skills in-depth and incorporate discussion, group exercises, and role-playing to drive learning and teamwork. They are a wonderful choice for teams who work in the same location or groups who are getting together for a company event. For more information about our online classes or our workshops, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io. I also want to remind you that the Customer Success Network hosts customer success events all over the Bay Area. These meetups occur once a month and include networking, presentations, and lively roundtable discussions about important topics in the field. Please visit meetup.com slash customer success network to see a list of upcoming events. We would love to have you join us. And now back to our interview. So Evan, what has the customer health report done for your team? Has it helped them be more effective in dealing with clients? And if so, how, how has that worked for you guys? Yeah, so we, we started out uh, using Salesforce reports. And, and as you can imagine, we were just so excited to have all of this <laughs> data in front of us. And, and initially, it was like actually very overwhelming. Um, and as you can imagine, there was a lot of noise. There were, uh, you know, certainly some false positives. I'm not going to pretend that um, all of the, you know, uh, thresholds were tweaked exactly perfectly. There, there are always going to be those sorts of things. Um, but just sort of the, the volume of data really overwhelmed us. And what we found after a month or two of, of having the reports come via email, uh, you know, to, through Salesforce was that um, we really uh, had a hard time um, on the CSM side making uh, you know, building that proactive engagement with the customers on specific uh, events mm-hmm. and and such that that we were hoping to have. Um, from from macro sense, it was everything we had hoped for. We had our you know, it wasn't red, yellow, and green, but we had a, a very lovely um, Salesforce dashboard to flash up to uh, our management team and our board. Um, and so so we were super happy on mm-hmm. that side, but um, felt that we were lacking on the um, on the micro side, so to speak. And so. Um, started looking uh, out there for, for different solutions might be able to help us with that. And um, I'll give a plug to uh, the tool that we wound up with, which is a company called Troops. Um, and so Troops uh, plugs Salesforce directly into Slack, among other things, but that's the way um, we're using Troops. Uh, and so that, that was really critical for us because our, our CSMs and, and our sales team as well, you know, our whole company really lives in Slack. Um, and the idea of, of being able to get alerts that were customer specific into you know the place where all those people live um, was was very appealing and proved out to be significantly more valuable in terms of initiating conversations with customers than getting a giant dump of a, a report um, every day or every you know few days from Salesforce so um, yeah huge huge improvement yeah. on that and we've seen some significant uh, wins from doing that. That's great. I love that it, you're using it across both customer success and sales. Yeah, maybe just to, to get more uh, into to that point. Um, so there were a couple of things that we thought we were going to be able to do um, when we just had put it in Salesforce that we weren't. One of them uh, was uh, on, the, on the expansion side and, and working closely with our sales team, of course, um, in uh, identifying opportunities for growth within existing accounts. Um, we suspected that we'd be able to uh, build out reports that would tell us, um, you know, customers were going to exceed their uh, usage limits in a given month. And on the support side, that was, you know, going to be huge for us because we'd be able to proactively engage with our customers and 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 make it a positive experience to say, 
hey, customer, you know, in, in 15 days from now, we're projecting that you're going to go over your limit. Would you like to increase your resource amount so that um, you're not blocked from doing that work? Um, and of, of course, our sales team was, was super excited about that as well, because it uh, started a conversation about a potential upgrade, you know, multiple weeks in advance. And, and certainly when you're, uh, you know, going quarter to quarter, that can be hugely helpful to uh, accelerate those conversations and have things buttoned up before the end of a month. So we, we've um, troops really allowed us to um, implement that uh, effectively with the um, individualized customer alerts coming into Slack and then initiating a conversation between the CSM and the account executive about how to approach it. And, and oftentimes, um, you know, maybe the account executive or the CSM had some additional uh, information, you know, from talking to the customer directly that wasn't captured um, in the data itself. And, and so that was um, having that conversation and doing it in a, a more public forum so that everyone could see was, uh, was certainly very valuable to us. And so, so it's been a, yeah, that's been a really uh, big positive coming out of the whole project. That's great. And it, it kind of leads to my next question, which is how, how has this elevated the customer success team inside of NS1? Um, because I know when I started working with you as fairly new group, has it given your team greater visibility inside the company or really boosted your credibility with other teams in any way? Yeah, I mean, there's a, a number of um, you know, positive things that have come out of it. I, I talked a little bit about um, how it's uh, really helped our coordination with, with sales. Um, and I go back to like mm-hmm. some of what's come out of the, the churn uh, reporting itself is, is that um, the, the speed of the migration and the uh, fluidity of that and, and the handoff from uh, sales to CS is just so important to uh, success and retention. And so that's now something that um, has been uh, accepted by the company as a whole from, you know, from our management team on down uh, for one. And, and then secondly, you know, getting the uh, account executives to see the correlation between those sorts of activities and, and the value of the CS sales partnership um, has, has been hugely helpful as well um, in making sure that we're all, you know, aligned together and working towards uh, the same goal. So on the, you know, the relationship with sales and it's been, you know, definitely a big positive. Yeah, that's fantastic. So what changes do you see coming down the road for this report? Do you anticipate adding more technology to help automate this or to drive future workflows as you go forward? Yeah, so I've sort of uh, been on the fence about this lately. I've been looking into um, a few different AI-based solutions. Um, And and in in one sense, it's tough because, you know, this is this kind of thing that we we built ourselves and, um, uh, you know, you're ripping it out and replacing it with some tech that's probably going to be a lot more intelligent. But, um, you know, there's de- definitely some nostalgia about the um, what we have yeah. built um, to date. Uh, but just kind of, you know, personally, you know, being uh, really uh, curious about the ways in which AI can help um, uh, a CS team and, and uh, a support team as well. Um, I've just in, in looking at a few different players in this space, uh, it seems like, you know, and just, you know, knowing how machine learning works, it's probably going to be a lot more accurate, provided that the inputs are good, um, than a number of these assumptions and hypotheses that we've made over time. And yes, we've tweaked them and we've gotten better. But um, so anyway, so yeah, I've started looking into a few different AI solutions. It's still early in that stage. They're certainly not <laughs> cheap. Um, and so uh, it'll, of course, be a, you know, a conversation and a decision uh, on, our, uh, on our end involving a number of folks. Um, but that would be, um, other than just you know, fine-tuning what we've got, that would be the, uh, the version 4.0 um, you know, 
if in our evolution from Excel, all the nightmares <laughs> of Excel to uh, getting into Salesforce and then layering on troops. And so um, investing in AI, you know, based solutions would probably be that, uh, that next frontier for us. Cool. And I, I have to say one of the things I really want to call out because I, you know, I, I talk to a lot of customer success leaders and, um, there's a lot of people that are sort of like, well, how do I even start? Our data is so dirty or, you know, we, you know, we're, we're missing pieces of data that we need to build a health score. I want to call out the example that you set for everybody that, you actually had to go in and build fields and put data into Salesforce to even get it to the step V1 of your project here. So, you know, it does take sometimes getting your hands really dirty and getting in there and adding in the data that's not there. And I think, you know, I've had to do that in the past myself. And it's great to have another example of that in you. I think that sometimes that's what it takes to actually get the first version of your health score going. So thank you for sharing that with the group. Yeah. And I'll just add that it really, um, it un it unlocked uh, you know I guess what I would say is we uh, it was painful in the early going but um, it made things a lot easier having all of that contract data and all those different things in Salesforce and just easily accessible now it's created muscle memory um, across CS and sales that hey these are things that we log and and now all of that is easily digestible you know for everyone you know from our board on down to to look at and so um, it was certainly painful in the early going but I think we've uh, you know, uh, reap the benefits of in the long run. That's great. So if there's a customer success leader who's listening and they want to build their own health score, they haven't done anything yet, how would you recommend that they get started? Sure. Uh, so the first thing I would say is skip the whole Excel thing. I could definitely use that year of my <laughs> life back. Um, I, you know, I had a lot of experience working in Excel before and, uh, and it was still, um, you know, building out the formulas and everything wasn't too bad, but just the the level of uh, effort of, of doing that over and over every month. And just the, I think I mentioned this earlier, but just the fact that you're losing, that's valuable time that you're losing out on your, uh, you really need to automate this yeah. so that you can, um, you know, you can't wait 30 days to find out that a customer is at risk. That's often too late. Um, it's, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, an analogy you could make to, to medicine. And uh, so you really want to catch these things before they're, uh, they're fe- they start to fester and become uh, significant issues. And so, um, getting that daily upload to Salesforce. So whether it's Salesforce, I'm sure there are other uh, great uh, customer success specific tools out there. Um, I guess I'm here to say that you um, you can do it in Salesforce. Um, certainly don't have to. And if you've got uh, another CS specific tool in place, I'm sure that that could handle it. But uh, yeah, to, to the point you made earlier, um, if you uh, it's never too early to build this out and your data is never too messy to, to build it out. So um, and, and you're never, you should never feel limited by the tools you have as long as you have some sort of CRM that can automate it. I, I think it's, uh, it's never too, uh, too early to go build out your health score. Yeah. And I think once you get the algorithm built, you can move it from tool to tool, it, you Absolutely. know, and it really just becomes a matter of how do you, how do you dial it in? And then how do you get it into a platform that makes it a little easier to work with? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Last question, and this is the one that we ask all of our guests, and you can you can go crazy on this one if you want to. What do you, what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now, and why? All right, so this this might be a cop out because I, I did mention it earlier, but um, AI, I'm I'm definitely a bit AI obsessed. Um, I've been listening to a bunch of AI podcasts, read read a, a book on it, 
Um, and so maybe it's a little bit cliche because if it, you know, AI is sort of like a very trendy thing at the moment. Um, yeah. So for a support team like ours, there are just so many mundane tasks that our team is required to handle like password resets and um, a whole host of other things. And uh, it's not fun for our team to do that. They want to be handling very complex technical challenges that our customers have. And, and as I mentioned before, being that consultative expert for our customers, um, they don't want to be spending time doing these you know, very mundane and repetitive tasks. Uh, and so if AI can handle that, that makes our, our, you know, our team happier. Um, it means that we don't have to scale um, you know, the team as rapidly as we would if we were trying to um, you know, answer every question that's coming in from every customer as our uh, customer base just continues to grow exponentially. So, um, so those two things are huge. And then on the customer end, um, it should ultimately be as good, if not a better experience for them in that there are going to be knowledge-based articles that will be recommended to them uh, ahead of time and they don't have to go through uh, the process of waiting for a human to answer them. And so um, to me, like this, uh, you know, AI has the potential to really positively impact customers, uh, individual you know, agents and reps um, and uh, CS leaders as well. And so that's why I'm really excited about it. Um, and uh, on the CSM side as well, I'm sure that uh, as the tech as the tech gets better, whether it's you know implementing an churn score and health scoring um, and all these other areas that a CSM uh, lives, that we'll be able to find uh, you know some different ways to to positively affect the customer experience on the more uh, proactive CSM side of things. Yeah, I, you know, I I think people get a little worried about AI that it's going to eliminate the need for people and customer success. And I don't think we have to worry about that. I actually am pretty excited about it because I think what it does is it enables us to deploy the people that are on our teams on much more interesting challenges and things that do require, you know, problem solving that is maybe beyond where AI is right now. Yeah, exactly. And I think also like the the point to stress there is that it, it's a, it should hopefully be, a positive development for the you know the agents the support agents as well and and CSMs mm-hmm. uh, too because it should really allow them to focus on all the things that they wish they had time for all the strategic initiatives that they've had to put yeah. off because there's all these different tactical things they have to deliver on and um, and for that I, I think we'll all uh, hopefully be better off. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. So Evan, thanks so much for coming on the show today to share your health score development process with the customer success community. I really appreciate your willingness to give real examples and ideas to the audience today. Um, Please let folks know how to get in touch with you and and thank you again for joining us. Yeah, Kristen, thanks so much for having me. It was uh, so great to talk through all this, especially just kind of knowing the the journey we were were on together in in, um, having these conversations, you know, two plus years ago and now um, to see uh, where we are and, and how it's all come together is really, you know, you know, satisfying for me. Um, and as far as uh, getting in contact with me, I'm, I'm not uh, big on social media, but I've got my LinkedIn. So you can look me up there. I'm Evan Rich. And uh, yeah, uh, certainly uh, people feel free to reach out. Looking forward to having this conversation. Thanks so much. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn 
or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.